This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website, as you do. Hello. Hi, John. (coughs) Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Pretty darn, pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. 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 Not too early. PYT, pretty d- darn good. Did you do do? Um, no, it's not too early. It's it's uh, it's medium early. Has your has your schedule been upended today? Part part of uh, part of you know just in the time that we've been doing this podcast, part of what has happened to me is that my life has been transformed from one that had no schedule of any kind to one that has a moving target schedule that's happening all around me coalescing Mm. coalescing in space it's it is it is crystallizing out of the solution but i am still like like a john travolta boy in a bubble not really touching the atmosphere is this making sense to you oh all too much (laughs) i've been in that bubble i've I've put my hands up against it yeah yeah i uh, hmm. touch me feel me i I have a very unsympathetic situation which is that i have um you know when i had a job even though it was a job where i might have to work on the weekends or something there was some sense of like ah i gotta go to my job at 8 a.m and then yay i get to go home at five or six and um and I, I think this is more having to do with family and getting older, but also to do with career stuff is that like, I feel like I do almost nothing mm-hmm. and yet I have an infinite number of things to do. Mm-hmm. And even when I do a lot, like the other night after dinner, I came to work and I got three things done mm, that I, wow. that's, which is like a month of work for me, like yeah. accomplishing three things I meant to do or had been procrastinating about. It felt really good, but that's such a, um, you know, I get that dopamine hit for about three minutes, and then I instantly go back into, oh my God, there's so much stuff I should be doing. <laughs> I have a list of like 50 things to talk to you about. Yeah. Oh, and, good. I, I, and we don't have to talk about any of them, but we right. could, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. Now, I, do, do you I, know what I mean there with my plastic bubble? I do. I do. I have a gig tonight <clears throat> where I am required to do five minutes, but it's something I have to do. I have to go do it. I have to get there. I have to stand around. I have to do it. Then I have to stand around some more. Drink that backstage coffee. Uh-huh. And Ugh. and I got a couple emails today from people that were like, remember that thing that we talked about a month ago? It's due now. And then there were a couple more emails that I'm just remembering now that I'm talking about it, where a week ago I was like, listen, I'm really going to get you that thing this week. And both those people were like, all right. I'm like, we're holding it waiting for your thing, waiting for your part of it. And again, I mean, it's all things where like, you know, again, I, I understand it's an unsympathetic thing, but like, there's like this thing that I could do and I'll probably work really hard on it for a long time and it won't make any money, but it might, or it mm-hmm. might be an opportunity thing or a whatever thing or a career thing, but there's like an almost infinite number of things I could do for almost no money right now that might turn into something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and but then all across the spectrum, there's all these little micro things where like, it's not really a calendar event. It's kind of a to-do, but like, I got to write this talk description. Oh, that should only take me five minutes, but it takes me a month to get it done. 
Right. MC Frontalot. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with his work? I am. MC Frontalot communicated with me two months ago, maybe maybe three months ago, and said, "Here is. I want you to sing on on my record. Here are everything you could possibly need: the lyrics, the track I made, the the idea I had in mind. Like he really." more than any other musician I've worked with, gave me the entire deck of cards of like, here is everything to make it so simple and fun for you to do. It's a dream gig. And I was like, how exciting. And the ease of the ease of the preparation made me feel like, I'll just, I'll be able to do that in an afternoon. And many, many afternoons have gone under the great spirit in the sky and uh, and here here I am, uh, lonely uh, lonely orphan doe, <laughs> bachelor still, farmer, bubble boy, s- still haven't done it. And you know, and front a lot is uh, is a good enough dude that he's not like a he's not an email hassler. He's not a he's not he's not giving me any grief about it. He's he actually has a contingency plan probably where it's like well Roderick didn't come through so I went ahead and did another thing. He might have you sent know? it to fifty people and just <laughs> said you know whoever responds first. <laughs> but uh, but there it is. I really want to do it. I'm excited to do it. I like that man very much. And you better hurry. To... You might be uh, up against Colin Malloy or Bonnie Vare. Mm, Bonnie Vare. <laughs> oh, there's you, you found the one guy that can trump Colin Malloy in my in my uh, drop an octave and say his name. Sweepstakes. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the only one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. Believe me, John and I know whereof we speak. We have hosted Roderick on the Line with Squarespace since the very beginning, episode zero. And they've been uh, great every step of the way. Squarespace makes this whole process so simple. They offer an easy drag-and-drop interface. They've got beautiful free templates that you can tweak to suit your needs. All their designs are responsive, so they look great on every device. If you do get stuck, Squarespace offers 24-7 support through dedicated teams based in New York and Dublin. Squarespace plans start at $8 a month, and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which I highly recommend. Also, every plan comes with the ability to create your own online store, so yeah, you can sell the stuff you make right from your very own site. So whether you're a podcaster, a musician, writer, photographer, or what have you, please go check out squarespace.com and tell them you heard about it on Roderick on the Line. In fact... You get a free trial plus 10% off any package you choose by using the special offer code SUPERTRAIN when you check out. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line. We could not do it without him. <laughs> oh, Bonnie Bear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Seattle. It's a beautiful day in my neighborhood. Hmm. I was out in the yard poking around. Uh, you know, like it's, I'm living the life of Riley here. Can't complain, as you say. Completely unsympathetic. It's completely. I, I mean, my. I, I'm. I had a, a a wonderful ninety minute phone call, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm completely exhausted. I I got up. I laid in bed. I looked at Twitter. I made a coffee. I had a shower. I came to work. I diddled around. Come on, you're exhausting me. Even listing all the things you've done today. Shower, minute, coffee. Come I on. I well, it, it takes it out of me. <laughs> oh, me too. Just hearing about it. I had a meeting yesterday at my new office space with the Roderick Group. 
which now <laughs> this which, has got to be a cable show at some which point. Which now numbers five people. <laughs> this includes your 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 manager, your assistant manager, your manager of assistants, your various assistants. I, you got your your uh, you got your uh, conciliary. Yep, uh, executive producer, co-executive producer, uh, assistant co-executive producer, and so I go down to my office. I'm there with my daughter. We need to go to the potty, as you know. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that happens. Usually with not a whole lot of notice. It's like, oh, I need to go to the potty. And you go, oh, shit, let's go. And I go out of my... It's this brand new office. I go, I check the doorknob as I'm leaving, which is a thing I don't typically do, but there's a new space, so I'm like, check the doorknob. The doorknob turns freely. We go down to the potty. We come back. The door has locked itself somehow. Mm. And I'm standing there in the hall with the with my daughter, and I'm like, my keys are in there, my phone is in there. Oh no! I cannot even go to to the emergency location because the the car is, you know, the car keys are in there. All that stands between you and carrying on your life is a tremendous analogy for your life. <laughs> and so, uh, my daughter and I play in the hall of the office building for a couple of hours while we wait for the, the rest of the people to arrive. The, the staff, the Roderick group is all coming. The, here, t- the, the titular mid- group. The group. And, and I'm going to reveal something that is a little, that's a little, well, I'm just, I'm just going to reveal it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to characterize it, but I, I, I searched through my wallet looking for the exact stiffness of card needed to jimmy a lock your the credit card that is you yeah. know the the, your, the the old trick yeah your 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 lock jimmying card has to be a certain kind of card it's a it's a very special kind of card cuz it has to be thin enough to fit but stiff enough for you to go wooka 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 right and I'm going through my wallet, and I'm like, ah, you know, I, do, I don't have a driver's license like an old laminated one anymore. I have, an, I have one of those executive driver's licenses, enhanced driver's license that's like a hard, brittle plastic yeah, uh, car. Washington's license clear. That's right. And, and I don't want to use my credit card because I, because I use it 50 times a day, and I don't want to be standing here in my office locked out and with a credit card broken in half. Mm. And I'm realizing that all the all the new cards I've received are all either made out of paper thin cardboard, so not stiff enough to actually pick a lock, and or, or they are like hard brittle plastic, not flexible enough to fit into the door jam. And so I'm standing there, I'm like, I can't believe that I don't even have in a in an overfilled wallet, I don't have a single card that I can use to jimmy a door. Like that is that makes me mad, and that makes me feel like it makes me feel like I don't have a small bag packed. No, it's a failure in the system for sure. It really, it really was, and I wasn't anticipating it, and I was, and I was mad at myself. So I'm standing there in the lobby, and you know, you know, sometimes what happens to me is I get mad at myself, and then I then I decide that the adequate punishment is to 
that my punishment is going to be that I just sit on a cold linoleum floor for an hour or whatever. Like just like you don't have a you lock put pick. yourself in the corner. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a lock pick. You don't know. You don't have anybody's phone number memorized anymore. And there's not even a phone in this building. You don't even deserve linoleum. You don't. You know, you know what? You should be sitting in the rain. And the only reason you're not is because your daughter is here. You know, and she is your shield against the anger that you are feeling toward yourself. What a pussy. Yeah, and at one, <laughs> at one point. At one point, she turned to me and she said, uh, "She said, Daddy, don't." And the thing is, I hadn't. Get, I I thought I was. I thought I was completely uh, opaque. But she said, "Daddy, don't feel anxiety." <laughs> oh no! It's like I didn't even realize I was projecting anxiety. But thank you, little empath. There are so many levels <laughs> of sad to that. <laughs> but anyway. So then the Roderick group starts to trickle in, and we realize, oh, not only are we locked out, but I had the only key, because the key had do not duplicate on it, and the Roderick group members who tried to get the key duplicated were thwarted, and so, to credit to them, they, they gave me the one key, and then I, like... The nutty professor did. <laughs> so we're standing there in the in the hallway, wondering what to do. And uh, assistant to the assistant manager, uh, Roderick Group, uh, like uh, Sergeant at Arms, Bailey McCann, kind of disappears around the corner. Five minutes later, she comes and she's like, "I picked the lock." What she use, if you can say. Well, I'm not going to reveal her secrets. Mm. And That's humbling. Just, <clears throat> that is humbling. Well, not just humbling, but also, like, you realize, oh, of course you did. Like, yes, this is the team. This is the crew. I was, I, I am, I was unprepared. She was not. Mm. And somehow, as I become crazier and, and less useful, I am, I'm magnetically surrounding myself with apparently office ninjas (laughs) so now i don't even need to carry lock picks i just uh just have a i have a lock lock picker on staff i'll tell you though it sickens me this nanny state you know the do not duplicate (laughs) thanks obama (laughs) thanks obama (laughs) i i i I, you know we're gonna have to probably cut literally all of this out but i'm a little bit surprised that you don't have some kind of a small lock picking kit very surprised too seems like there would be something surprised at myself that i think I... those are technically in the nanny state illegal to yeah. own but it seems like that that should there should be some kind of uh what do you call it the dark net what do you call it the dark, uh, yeah, yeah dark web there should be a dark web version of think geek where you can go and get something that's the size of a zoo membership card that could be used as a lock pit pick for uh for non-sophisticated locks well believe me i came home and i took all of the id cards having to do with the local swimming pool and the id cards the the id card that i have from the local community college that i basically signed up for the community college just to get a student discount so i could buy a new mac laptop and then went and and realized that Macintosh is is wise to to us, wise to students, and they were like, "Here's your discount, fifty dollars." What? It was like, 
what are you talking about? You said there was a 20% discount. They were like, yeah, on desktop computers. Oh, come on. But laptops, For everybody students? wants a laptop. So $50 off your <sighs> laptop. That's your student discount. Take it or leave it because we are Apple. Take it or leave it. That go. should be their motto. Take it or leave it. Here we go. But it'd be I beautifully got a, typeset. I got a couple. I got a couple of. Uh, I got a couple of tweets from a guy yesterday who was like, "I don't know why you uh, spend so much time, um, uh, like, complaining about Apple products uh, online when all you need to do is go to the Apple Store and they will fix it for free. Why do you not seek solutions?" Why do you uh, complain instead of seeking solutions? That's such a partial answer. And I, I wrote like five versions of all cap fuck yous to this guy. And I didn't send any of them. But I was like, <sighs> Bony Bear. Uh. I think you dropped two registers on that one. <laughs> I saw, I saw you take it or leave it. Expressing your frustration with the Apple Group yesterday, and yep. I, f- I, I had to close. I had to close the browser because I, didn't, I didn't even want to see. I didn't even want to see what kind of response you were going to get. I think the phrase you used were was something like that. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> yeah, and then somebody else, somebody else tweeted me and said, "No one monitors the at Apple Twitter group." So don't try and... Except for literally millions of people who like to yell at people like you. But he was like, don't even try and, and, and shame them because they're not paying attention. No, they're not. I was like, I am, no, no. I'm not trying to, you know, like, I, I, th- that is not where I'm demanding satisfaction. That is just a place. That is just a place of, like, but, you know, Twitter is my place. It's not your place. You know, there's lots people. of things that you could do about a lot of things. And yeah, right. there's I an could endless number of times, there's an endless number of things that you could do about something, but that's not what I'm bitching about. What, what I'm bitching about is it's incredibly frustrating to me that I have to go and navigate all of those could do things. Yeah, right. I need to sign up for a, 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 an appointment with some geniuses, and that's going to that's gonna be two days out. At, at, their, at their convenience, not mine, I get to pick one of three times. And then I go down there, and they're going to take the phone in the back room, and they're, the first thing they're going to do is come out and say, this phone has gotten wet, and so it vo- all your warranties are void. Get out of our store. Well, I, I, I want the impossible. I want satisfaction. I want them yeah. to go, that like, we've made a whole bunch of fucked up stuff, and we're sorry that we inconvenienced you. That's yeah, what I that's, want. That's yeah, what well, I want, too. That's all I want. I want, my, I want my phone to work, but I want you to also to acknowledge the fact that the literally thousands of dollars that I've spent on this company on the strength are partly with the expectation that I don't have to take the advice of some pimple-faced kid to go, go to the mall today. Yeah, well, and I want, I this, want, to, want this to have worked. I want that letter from the U.S. State Department, too. Oh, I want, oh, I want, one of those, like, sorry about slavery letters? Yeah, exactly. I am sorry. I am sorry that every war we've waged since World War II has been a complete fucking... Yeah, you're not even asking for reparations. You're asking no. for a simple, grown-up apology. We, 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 we started... A, we, my mom and I went down to Chase Bank the last few days, and we've been trying to set up a business account with all of the... You know, we want, like, five different credit cards and so forth, and we got some manager... <laughs> And the manager was like, oh, this will be really easy. But he didn't know what he was doing. And then, you know, the other people in the bank were, like, deferential to his managerial status. But turned out, as the process went on, he's a manager in training. So he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's the person in authority. He is the, he is the buck lieutenant 
who's out in the jungle with his fucking helmet on backwards. He would have gotten fragged. That's right. He's calling in a fucked up fire mission, and uh, and he's getting his own guys hit with with howitzer shells. This guy, but nobody's but nobody's yelling at him because he's a lieutenant. Because he's a lieutenant. <laughs> And so he screwed up this thing so badly. And by by the second day, my mom was like, uh, you know, she's like, I don't I don't want to deal with these people anymore. And I said, Mom, this is this is one of our core principles. If we do nothing else in this family, it is that we punish companies who do bad jobs. We need to take well, we make time. <laughs> we, that's right. Even if this doubles our effort. To move this it's not, account. It's not a question of getting an account. It's not a question of getting cards. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a question is, of making the fucking point. This is a question of, that's right. If we have to fall on our sword, if we never get a bank account, we are not, gonna, we are not going to do this, this business with Chase. They have screwed this up so badly. And she's like, ah, oh, and you know, and then she goes through that, fi- that little phase she has because she's afraid of a police state a little bit or she's like, she doesn't like, she's. She's one of these people that's like, don't complain to the waiter because they'll spit in your food. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but this guy at the bank, he has all my information now. And I'm like, if, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This guy, if he, uh, like, the idea that this banker would have some retribution against us. <laughs> what would he do with it? Well, that's what I mean. And it's just like, I, you know, that I would, we would be in a position that, which I have always wanted, which is a position where we could legitimately sick our family attorney byron d coney <laughs> on a corporation byron d coney the 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 80 year old pit bull of washington you're saying you and byron go to the mattresses byron and i would freaking go to the mattresses when i was in my 20s byron sometimes would come by the house and he'd say hey you want to go for a ride you know he had a jaguar or whatever we'd go for a ride and then i'd realize once we got out that he was um that he was serving people with papers. Oh my god! And he would he'd put the papers in my hand. And he'd, he'd say, "Go go up and ring the doorbell and ask for fucking Frank Jones." Oh my god! And he was like, "You were using, a process server." Yeah, he was using me to serve people because they wouldn't expect because I looked like a grunge rocker or whatever. I looked like so. I looked like the guy that was there to. You know, I looked like a bike messenger basically, and then you know, guys would come to the door and I'd be like, "Here, here's your blue papers." Oh my god. Very and but you know so Byron's you know Byron's the guy you want on your team even though he's now in his eighties and like um, uh, he's still he's still a ferocious guy and I have always wanted to have a r- actual reason to really go after some some company like Chase some company with a with a million lawyers because you know Byron is underused. And he's one of these, you know, he's one of these lawyers with a pair of glasses on top of his head, a pair of glasses on his nose, and a pair of glasses hanging from a chain around his neck that would just file. He would file papers all day long. He would file papers. He would file so many papers. Yeah. I know. I know. It gives, it gives one chills. Anyway, so, so I've convinced my mom that we are going to, we are going to punish Chase. You're going to punish Chase with your business. We're going to punish Chase with a, in a small way by taking our business to another bank, one just as reprehensible, probably, but an but another bank. Unfortunately, there is not really another Apple unless you count all the other phone companies. No, I, but I think that's also. I mean, 
I really don't want to talk about this. But no, no, no. Let's not. Let's not. But I, I'll just say. But this is in, to clarify here. I I don't want to punish Apple. I want Apple to do what they're good at, which is make shit that works. Right. That's that's all I'm asking. And like, right. believe me, I have I have I have been the one who stands at the gate and says, no, you guys don't get it to other people right. when they say, oh, you can go get this thing for a nickel over here. You get a get a phone for a free phone or whatever. Yeah, get free soup. It's like no, I I <laughs> I watched that last night. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, the Jew over here. <laughs> I did. I watched three. Not Mr. me. Not, not me. me. Not me. I do not like racial intolerance. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's not an easy, there's not an answer for this. The, the answer for this, I, I understand what people are saying. I mean. But I also I I kind of dread the idea of a future where. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably catastrophizing this a little bit, but it's frustrating to me that I have to do it at all. It's one thing to take home a new computer and the hard drive breaks because you know what? Apple didn't make that hard drive and hard drives, at least back in the day, when I was the computer guy at, at my job, there were times where we would get a shipment of hard drives and, uh, you know, three fifths of them would be broken because really? that would just happen back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing was you would really, uh, this might've been superstition on my part, but I mean, this is what it used to be like to be a computer user, was you would use, you would back everything up really well, which was very expensive, and then you would kind of watch real carefully over the first month of use, because my experience was that if a hard drive broke, it would tend to be in the first month of usage, Mm -hmm. and you'd watch them real carefully, and then we discovered that it was just a bad lot that we got from LaCie, and they they sent us new ones, but you know what? I don't want to have to do that with Apple. I want Mm -hmm. them to give me something amazing the first time, and shame on them. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, yeah, and I, and I feel like we've talked about this many times, but it is it, uh, what what I see from young people um, who have never ever ever lived in a world where the expectation of businesses was that when they were providing you a good or a service that they did it right the first time, it was a well made thing that they stood behind, and that their customer service philosophy was the customer is always right. What can we do to make it right now? You know, in the rare occasion that something goes wrong, like everybody stops what they're doing and tries to fix the problem for you as fast as they can because what they value is first, you know, their reputation and their reputation is predicated on your satisfaction. And so there, there's a whole generation and maybe now uh, into two generations of people who have never experienced life in that world. And they have grown up in a world where everything is disposable, where companies' uh, mentality is, we're just going to keep pushing stuff out. And if we lose, you know, if we lose 20% of our customers to dissatisfaction, they're, they're just 20% more are going to be lining up at the door to buy the garbage that we're putting out there. And the 20% of the people are going to go across the street to another shit company that's turning out garbage and they're just going to bounce back and forth because all they're interested in is what's cheapest. But, but also, I mean, the what, part of what you're describing, I started think, thinking about restaurants where, you know, a restaurant would be a business for 30 years. Which, mm-hmm. How many of the things that you're using right now, where you've been using a company's stuff for 10 years, um, I, I bet most of the company's stuff you've been using for 10 years have been around for a lot longer than 10 years. Because mm-hmm. the other side of this, eh, companies go away, products go away. Yeah. I mean, can you tell? Can you tell me who made your DVD player? Can you tell me who made your TV? Like we used to really know that stuff inside and out. Nerds know that, but right. most people don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a thing I bought at Costco, and it breaks. I'll buy a new one. But what you're describing in terms of like a restaurant, like today, like you know, there's a place that recently reopened down the street from where I am, and they had three reviews on Yelp before the place opened. 
Whoa. Yeah. What did the reviews say? Oh my god, this is fantastic. I've never <laughs> I thought I'd had gourmet sandwiches before. But these were amazing. Because all their buddies yet? No, because all their buddies went in and left oh. reviews, and that is the cynical environment that we're in right now. And that place won't be there in two years. It'll be something else. It'll be a Verizon dealership, you know, right. uh, in, I, in no time. Right. Well and that and that and I see that I see that all over the place. Like people now this is how this is they, how they feel about shoes. You buy a pair of shoes; they're not cheap. They cost one hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> they never got cheaper, even though you don't get them fixed. Yeah, right. They they never got cheaper. They're still extremely expensive. But the but the idea is, ah, you wear them for a year or two, and then you dump them. And it's like, I, I still have, I mean, I have shoes that are fifty years old. You know, I have shoes that I bought. From a person, a living person you knew? Uh, well, no. I mean, They're I have d- shoes dead that, men's shoes. Lot by yeah, large. dead men's shoes. I have shoes that I bought vintage 25 years ago that were 30 years old at the time. And I paid to have them resold. And I still wear them. And in some cases, I've had shoes resold a couple of times. And I recognize that I am an old man and that that is an archaic way of thinking. But I cannot describe how much better these shoes feel and how much better they are. And, you know, I, I put on new shoes and they're like, it's, they're kind of like stonewashed already. Like they're broken in already. They're comfortable. They're lightweight. And you put them on and you're like, they're fashionable looking. They've got blue crepe soles now and they're made out of suede and they feel like slippers and and you run around in them and as soon as they're you know as soon as you get a stain on them or as soon as the the thread starts to unravel or the you know like i've got a pair of i've got a pair of boots and i stepped on a sharp thing and it cut through the sole all the way to my sock what and i looked at the construction and it's this it's the one of I mean, this is the way that they keep these products uh, cheap, is that the sole and the top of the boot are bonded together, so it's kind of like a shoe balloon. Hmm. There's, no, there's not actually a piece of leather that they build the sole, you know, that they build the shoe on the top of and the sole on the bottom It's of. like the way you construct a beach ball. You just kind of glue them together. Yeah, you take there's kind of a rubbery sole thing, and you glue it to the to the open sort of top part, and you make this shoe balloon that you put then an odor eater in, and <laughs> ta-da, it's like shoes. Ta-da, it's a shoe, <laughs> and it's great except if except they are unrepairable, right? It's not a construction that you can take any portion of. And change. You can't put a new sole on it. You can't put a new top on it. You can't. You can't really even change the odor eater out because the odor eater is like custom shaped, and so the whole thing is just built. It's built for now, and I I'm still living in this dream state of like this Red Wing based dream state, where you buy a pair of boots, and you think. Now I have the boots that I'm going to wear. Now I have the boots I'm going to hand down to my grandson. Right. You know, like these are the these are the great boots that I needed. And it'd be amazing if it lasted a year. Uh the the the, the new balloon thing. the balloon shoes. Yeah, the balloon shoes and you know and they're not meant to and the the, the 
the problem is a lot of these conversations that you and I have here and the conversations I have out in the world, like they're being received by people that speak the same language that we do and understand the concepts, but they don't have in their heart that fundamental feeling that the relationship that the, the, their role as consumer of things is a position of power, or it traditionally was a position of power. You were the buyer, and the buyer had the power of choice and the power to reject bad products, and that that was the that's the myth of the of American capitalism. But it's also, it's also how brands have changed, though. I mean, I think about stuff. You think about things like Filson stuff. You've got I've got a like a windbreaker that my dad bought in 1970 that I still wear. Uh, it's dirty. But it's very handsome. <laughs> it's it's bright red. It's really cool. <clears throat> but it's still got the patches on it, carefully sewn on in the early 1970s. Of does does one of them say high life? Uh, no, no, no. There's no beer ones. It's got a it's got large lures on them. <laughs> oh, it's a fishing fishing deck. So, it could be sure, sure. But you know, I mean, this is this is going to sound over subtle, but uh, think about how our relationship with brands has changened. And, you know, you'll uh, just go right back to you. And then was it North face, you know, yeah. and you know, you, there was a time it's basically the bubble shoe of backpacks. <laughs> but in that case, I mean, uh, you know, people would use that to actually go do stuff. They would use that to go do stuff where the weather might change and they might have to be out an extra two or three days and they would have to make do. And I'm not saying it's like survivalist kind of stuff, but there, but that was stuff that was made for that kind of wear and tear. Whereas now today, I mean, people align themselves with these brands, uh, based on, I mean, in the case of Apple, I think you could fairly say, yeah, it is based on a certain kind of build quality or, or whatever. But I mean, you know, there's all kinds of stuff where <clears throat> you're, you like the way this, <clears throat> excuse me. You like the way this logo looks until you find out that uh, somebody on the board was against gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And then, and then mm-hmm. that's, that's a different thing. Now you go look for another logo because yeah. that's more comports with how you feel, feel about the world. And I think maybe, maybe that was just maybe a little more subtle in the past, but yeah. you know, I, and you know, I'm not trying to say this is anything grand. I think a lot of this has, has to do with amazing marketing over the last hundred years. But every family, you're a Hunt's family or you're a Heinz family, you're a Coke family or a Pepsi family. And, you know, you would rarely meet people who would, you know, go over, cross over to the other brand unless I guess it was, you know, because of a big sale or something. But even still, Listen, you- Kevin Horning's mom would not drink Coke. If, uh, if a truck backed up and gave her a lifetime supply of free Coke, she wouldn't have consumed Coke. She was Pepsi all the way. You know, the irony is, John, there are so many things today where I could not pass the quote unquote Pepsi challenge. I could not tell you that I could not tell the difference between five wines. I couldn't even say what color most of them are. But to this day, I can still tell you the difference between a Coke and a Pepsi <laughs> and an RC. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like part, part of this is that every time I walk out of the door and I, you know, and I, and I, I, I don't, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it seems like maybe that this is some, uh, increasingly it's, it's become kind of a, my, my brand and that, that uh, it is, that it's funny. Uh, but it is literally true that every time I walk out of the door, I think, what if I, what if I never come back? Like, I'm walking out the door in these clothes. What if this is the last time I walk out of this door? For whatever reason. Like, nobody ever expects the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. And if you if you walk out of the house in 
like in your flip-flops and drawstring shorts, what if that just happens to be the day that everything comes unraveled for whatever reason? And then you're out there in the world with your flip-flops and your drawstring shorts and that, and you've got to make it from that point forward. You know, you've got to like, you're, you're the person huddled up in a drainage culvert in your, in your, in your drawstring shorts and your flip-flops. And you're saying to yourself, well, where can I, where can I find lamp oil? (laughs) Right. Like this would be hard even if I were in shoes and pants, but I have made it additionally difficult because now the first thing I have to do is go find some shoes. Like before I do anything else, before I go searching for lamp oil, (laughs) I've got to get shoes first. And so this is the premise behind keeping a small bag packed. This is the premise behind having that bag in your car. And ultimately, the idea behind why didn't I have a lockpick in my yeah, wallet? Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the, but you can never know where the soft spots in your scheme are unless you're always probing them. And for me, every time I walk out the door, and there are times when I walk out the door and it's like, if the... If this is the moment, like I'm putting, I'm putting myself in fate's hands right now because I am going away from my house with no contingency plan because it's a hot summer day and I'm just going to the fucking beach and I don't want to think about it right now. But I, it's always in the back of my mind. What happens if I never get back here? Hmm. And if, you know, so if I have a house full of survival gear, it's going to really benefit whatever mutants end up colonizing my house because i am living in a culvert somewhere so that that the the concept of readiness the premise of readiness is like you need to always be ready and it and and if it's and 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 it's fun for me you know that is a game it isn't based on paranoia it's not i mean i recognize that we that our systems largely work Right. That the that the grid of electricity, but you have has, no control over that. You're lucky. Yep, yep, You're no. lucky if you, you. It's amazing how often you can roll around without a contingency plan. Even something as simple as like like having a, a key hidden outside your house or something like that. You can go by for years and years and years, and that will never become an issue. But there's a writer I like named David Allen, um, and one of his things I like a lot. He said something along the lines of the worst time to decide that you really need to practice at martial arts is when you're getting jumped in an alley. <laughs> right. Right. And the wor- yeah, ex- exactly right. And the worst time to discover that you don't have a lockpick in your wallet is when you're locked out of a place. And that is when you're going to discover it, right? If you don't, if you're not thinking about it all the time, and if you're not just kind of consciously borderline aware, like I think about being in a wheelchair. If I were in a wheelchair, the world would look very different to me. You know, the landscape would look different. Getting from place to place would you should look really different. fix the pavement outside your house. You know, that would be that. I mean, once you're in a wheelchair, that's going to take longer if you have to do it yourself. Except, you know, I would like, I would have, I think, I think that what I would have is I would have a motorized wheelchair that I never used the motor. (laughs) You know, I would be like, you'd be in constant training. I'd be pushing against, like in the seventies when people would walk around with weights on on their uh, ankles and and wrists. That's right. I would be pushing against the additional weight of the motorized wheelchair all the time. Partly as punishment to yourself, probably. But I would want the motor there in case I needed it, or in case I wanted it, or in case you know, like 
it would and i and honestly like that would require that wheelchairs be redesigned and honestly wheelchair design seems to me to be a really unexplored i know there are people doing it oh i totally agree but i feel like wheelchair design should be a place where startups like elon musk i don't know why he has not built uh the the like uber wheelchair and i know the dude the segway dude yeah built some kind of standing wheelchair that was that, that was, was his precursor to the segway was this right. amazing wheelchair that could like lift you up in the air yeah but you I also did. just think about how many people you see on rascals just because they really don't want to walk i think it's a huge untapped market well and the, yeah the supermarket rascal right where you c- you come to the supermarket and like part of the appeal is those just are, that yeah you- those are those are beaters but i mean once you once you've ridden in one of those you get the idea pretty fast i would call it a convenience chair because first yeah. of all, you know, the thing you realize about accessibility, honestly, whether that's a ramp or whether that's larger type, is it's not really a question of like whether or not you are, what was the fr- crippled. It's not whether or not you're crippled. It's not whether or not you're handicapped. It's the fact that you're healthy for now. Because you're eventually going to need pretty much everything that accessibility gives us. Everybody's hmm. going to eventually need a ramp. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Everybody's eventually, if you're, if you're lucky enough to live long enough to have your eyes fail, you're going to want the big type. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, uh, comfort chairs. So maybe something to think about. I really feel like this is an untapped market, a huge growth possibility. But you know what? I had a I had an insight the other day, a, a business that I really actually do kind of want to get into. Hmm. Do you remember Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth well, fifth century? Sure do. Aaron the, Gray, boom. The, well, the television show. Oh yeah, with Tweaky, Beedy Beedy Beedy. Right. Well. The more I reflect on that television show, the more I realize that it really affected, really influenced my idea of what the future was going to look like. Hmm. Uh, in particular, two things. One, whenever there was a gathering of people, whenever there was like a, whenever there was peace or sociability or they were meeting a new culture, what did they do? They got rib- ribbons out and they danced in a circle holding ribbons with one another while somebody played the weird uh, like synthesizer oboe right so there's like some synthesizer (laughs) some oboe dance music and then they're kind of doing like a maypole dance holding ribbons that that seemed to be like what's a better way to say we're not a threat we're not a threat here we are we're all uh, dancing with ribbons together to some to some oboe electric oboe music (laughs) so i'm i'm upset that that isn't I have yet to see that really be part of like hipster culture, and I feel like maybe that could be next. But the other thing, and the number one thing, is jumpsuits. Yeah, I do remember shiny jumpsuits, unitard outfits, and as you recall, like my orange flight suit was a big part of my preteen, early teen years. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like. It's the one thing of the 70s that we have that has not been reintroduced uh, uh, initially ironically and then and then earnestly but there is nothing better than a onesie. Yeah. And if you could make onesies and the thing is you can. You can make onesies out of sweat pant material, you can make onesies out of Fleece, you can make onesies out of anything. Are you talking, and, I mean, would this also include things like uh, Dickies or Carhartt coveralls? Not overalls, but I mean, like, you're talking mm-hmm. about, like, the kind of mm-hmm. suit, like, like, a painter would wear, maybe. But, but here's the thing, and this is the reason why I think this is, this is so of the moment. People are, 
uh, like half the population are have just surrendered to the idea and we get into fights about fights with people about this all the time they've just surrendered it's like they believe that Everyone in the world should see their ass crack if it uh, makes if it makes them one percent more comfortable on an airplane. Boots and jammies. They're just like I am a gross slob. I am wearing juicy sweatpants and a halter, and that's my right as an American. And comfort above all, my Com- comfort, comfort is my church. <laughs> that's right, my comfort above above all else. So half the population is there, and then the other half of the or certainly a percentage of a, a large percentage of the youth population and people that live in my circle are have have gone all the way to like this this new era of fashion that is so form fitting and so tailored that it cannot possibly be comfortable under any circumstances. You know the 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 stovepipe pants and the super tight shirts and the really tailored jackets close fitting everything you know to the nth power unless you're spending six thousand dollars on a suit you're wearing some ludlow off the rack j crew suit you are just you're just barely holding it together like you're definitely not going over a fence in that outfit and I think when we think about unitards and we think about boiler suits and jumpsuits of all kinds, you, your immediate your mind leaps to the image of someone at a furry convention <laughs> in in like uh, a suit that their grandmother made that's like a lion, but it has little pilling, little polyester pills on it from having been washed so it's many times. Well loved to get all the semen and santorum out of it. It's got it's got a little fuzzy fuzzy tail. A semen stained pilling lion suit, (laughs) but it doesn't have to be that. You know, we could we could my my unitard idea is that we make it out of these modern fabrics, these comfortable fabrics that people love so much, but we tailor it so that it is like so that it's very becoming. Sometimes you put a row of double-breasted buttons on it. Sometimes you put a little patch that says gone fishing on it. Like you can express yourself. It's a movable feast. It's a movable feast. That's right. You put epaulets on it. You put like a, like a faux belt. Some of them have bell bottoms. Some of them are pegged and it's a whole new fashion. It's a, it's very fashion forward. Right. Some of them are side zip. Some of them are middle zip. You get a gusset in the crotch. A little gusset, maybe a double-breasted, like a Herman Goering, I, uh, like Chief of the Air Force look, powder blue uh, epaulets. But you, like, know what, you know what else you get out of it is uh, you think about what you go through with uh, travel, air travel, and you got to think, am I going to check my luggage? Am I going to drag this giant luggage onto the plane and take up the entire rack? You, your, your suit, your double-breasted coverall onesie could also be your carry-on luggage because you get a lot of pockets. Lot of you, pockets. Can just, you see people with utilicilts, you can carry a whole toolbox in those things. That's right. In fact, yeah, you are a toolbox if you're wearing one of those. <laughs> you, could, you could put a Subway sandwich in there. You could have a hammer. You could definitely could fit in like a, a large iPad in some of those pockets. Sure, and TSA would, TSA would have a sign that says, you know, anything you can put in your unitard... <laughs> Is fine. We don't do an additional search. Mm-hmm. You know, like we are, our, our new uh, backscatter body scanners can uh, can see all the things that you have in your pockets and every pocket. You know, we, we tailor make the pockets so that so that you you know you they're, t- they're TSA safe. That's all we need TSA, to say. That's right. TSA compliant. Mm-hmm. But I, but I feel like 
we need to we need to get ahead of this like comfort style division this red it's, it's, state the thing is john state. it's not going to go away we need to we need to hit, hit go where the ball is headed where the puck is, is spinning and, and if we go there and arrive there with a jumpsuit i think there's going to be people standing in line probably wearing jumpsuits. jammies for now jumpsuits 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 like it appeals to the jammy crowd it appeals to the cosplay crowd it appeals to the fashion people crowd and it it absolutely appeals to the vision of the future i had as a kid where everybody was coordinated and uh, you know, dare I say it, sleek. Like it, mm-hmm. it looks, and it's and it, and it's in keeping with the increasing militarism in our society, so that everybody is kind of in a very a, a uniform of various. Sizes yeah, and I, I mean, you could in, in some cases you could pair it with like a bow tie and a sports jacket. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in time, the thing is, if you'd ask people like 15, 20 years ago, would you ever expect to see coeds with tramp stamps walking around in suede suede? basically slippers yeah they were said no way no way not even no way we're never gonna we're gonna, you know then 9-11 happened everybody's got ugg boots but I, I we could get i could see within one year th- there's atrocious stuff that happens in fashion every day john but this is practical mm-hmm. it's it's democratic mm-hmm. it's not costly to get a jumpsuit 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 it's absolutely true we could and the thing is you can custom make them so that they have uh so that if you want a back flap if you want a poop flap you can have it if you want a oh, sex like a, hole. like a little boy in a children's book? That's right, a little boy in a children's book. That was my like, biggest hang-up, was like, what if what if you wanted to poop or masturbate? Is you, would you have to take off the entire garment? Would you have well, to drop a, it? We would, we would account for that, and then you'd be able to see, you'd be able to see people walking through the airport, like, this person is in one, this person is in a suit that he has had custom-made, and he apparently does not ever poop or does not fear the need. <laughs> he has a very, he's a very cannily hidden jock hole. But this person over here has basically got a colostomy bag built into the into their suit. It's like uh, the entire everything below the waist is just flaps. It's it's just it, it, but it's got you got you got you got pockets, you got buttons. I think it could be a very smart look and and it can be very flattering, especially if you're slender. Well, so this was the this was this this comports with a further idea, which is that as as the years go by and I'm now I'm now I'm prognosticating way into the future. As the years go by, what are the great brands? Mm-hmm. You got your Nike. Mm-hmm. You got your Apple. Like Levi's. Levi's, Coke. Also, Judaism. Mm-hmm. That's a right? strong brand. Christianity. Big brand. Right? The, the, uh, the, 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 moon, of, uh, the moon of Islam. Those are mm-hmm. big brands. Right? You've got the American flag. That's a killer brand. Um, I feel like the uh, hammer and sickle of the Soviet Union is a great brand that's being underutilized right now. Mm-hmm. Andre the Giant. He has a posse. Uh, the Rising Sun flag of the uh, of World War II, the Japanese in World War II, great brand. Think about that. I mean, and ultimately, like the swastika, amazing brand. Mm-hmm. So as we go into the future and brands become what we're really talking about right like eventually there's going to be a situation where the nike people and the christians have some beef with each other right it's like i represent nike and i'm tired of being persecuted by the 
by the Christians who refuse to, who only wear Adidas or whatever. You know, it's going to be, the brands are going to come up There's against... There's plenty of room for unnecessary factionalism. There's no reason we couldn't make a little bank off of that. Well, that's the thing. Right now, the religious brands are all in contention with each other. And there's a little, and we're increasingly seeing religious brands attached to national brands, right? So from a, from the Middle East, when they think of the the, U, the United States, they think of the American flag. They are subconsciously attaching Christianity to that brand, and even though there's no cross on the American flag, that's that's what they are seeing, and it's a it's a misunderstanding of it, but in some ways maybe a hyper understanding of it. And when we look at the when we look at the Arabic script, we are also seeing the half moon of Islam, right? Mm-hmm. So these brands are going to start are going to start bleeding into one another, and you know, like oh, the Star of David, the the Israeli flag, the Star of David on that on that powder blue. Oh, what an amazing brand that is. And when that starts getting sort of attached to commercial products, as all these ideas start to blend into each other, what are we going to have? We're going to have an international league of neighborhood stick fights with people in unitards with these various brands. So it's going to be the hammer and sickles against the Maytag washing machines. Oh, I understand. At, so the, it, at the, the giant stick fight league. National socialists versus bronies. Thank you. Right. And everybody's, you know, the, the, the different jumpsuits are going to be different colors. They're going to have different sort of patches and brands on them. Like, like NASCAR racers. And this is going to be the, the United Nations of the, of the future where we're kind of resolving these things on the game field. There's a certain amount of death and mayhem involved to satisfy our human bloodlusts, but really it's going to be brand against brand. And I, I want to get in on the ground floor of those jumpsuits. I like it. I like it. And it's, it's sort of like the way Apple came in, you know, 2006, people were saying, oh, who, who, who's going to, why would Apple make a phone? Like phones are commodified, right? You can go get a, you can get get it in a uh, in a box of Cracker Jack these days. But then Apple figured out how to do it right. It sounds like part of what you're saying here is we get on the ground floor of this, where it's not super costly to make something like this, but we make something that will years after you are uh, crippled or or dead from your neighborhood stick fight, your your suit will live on. Your family can keep using it. It's going to be that well made. Like, Like I think about Carhartt pants I've got that are like you know quintuple stitched. You know what I mean? Like logging pants. This could be a really nice stick fighting jumpsuit. Well, yeah, sure. And then, you know, and you're going to have, you're going to have your, like your Izod alligator. Your, you know, have you seen those, those new, uh, those new Ralph Lauren shirts where they have blown up the, the polo pony so that it's the size of like a pie plate on the uh-huh. shirt? This is the, and the thing is, we sound like such grandfathers right now because they've been making these things for years and all the frat boys have been wearing them for a long time. But you know, the little teeny polo pony. Right. It used to be like, a, you know, three quarters of an inch high. Yeah. Now, the, on the new shirts, it's basically the size of like a small frisbee. <laughs> Same polo pony, but it takes up a quarter of the front of the shirt. And this is, you know, this is the genius of branding where, 
the company was like, let's make this thing so big and people will think that it is like fresh. You get more brand for the money. Yeah, but now people can, you know, like they can see from space what brand of shirt you're wearing. So eventually it's going to be the case that that polo pony no longer needs to actually be attached to a sh- something as small as a shirt. Mm-hmm. Like what what matters is not the garment. What matters is the polo pony. You could put it on a stadium. I mean, you could right? Put it, you could put it on a stadium. You could put it on a jumpsuit mm. that was manufactured by anybody. People because, are not that discerning. As long as it's got the pony on it, they're going to buy it. Did I remember in the 90s seeing a, a gal. It was a, one of those hot summer days where uh, the gals in Seattle, uh, uh, particularly the lesbian gals, are all wearing wife beater t-shirts. This was in the 90s when, and I think it may even still be true, I'm less up on contemporary summer lesbian fashion. But in the mid-90s, all the girls who loved girls switched to switch to tank top like you know white colored frank norton style uh tank top t-shirts at a certain day in the summer and then that was what they were wearing and one day i was sitting around i was sitting outside a bar called the wild rose which is the uh, women who love women bar and there's a gal sitting at the table next to me and she has a big nike swoop tattoo on her shoulder and it was the first time i had ever seen somebody and since that time i've seen thousands of instances where people put wow like actual like brand logos sportswear logos tattooed on their body but this was the first time i'd ever seen and it took me a minute i was looking at i was like is that is that a nike swoop is that a check mark am i not seeing that right is that is that is this some kind of Rorschach test? Rorschach test? Rorschach? <laughs> yeah, Nerver- your gaze is already a little bit normative. Right. Well, no, my gaze has never been normative. But but I understand what you're trying to say. But in any case, I'm mm-hmm. looking I'm looking at her swoop, and I realize it's a fucking Nike swoop. She's got it tattooed on herself. I do not know what she means. I'm not sure what there's nothing like the brand the brand is meant to differentiate this pair of shoes from that pair of shoes but when you put it on your skin yeah, I mean, you're, you're flipping through this irony Rolodex for all the possible mm-hmm. readings. Well, it's one thing, you know, if you go out and you decide to get a UPC symbol on your forehead. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that's probably you know, a statement. <laughs> Fucking super punk. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say those, doors, those, those doors just open up. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, and even if you do something that's like uh, kind of working against the grain uh, ideologically... Yeah, you know, like, like even if even if she had like a Tom's of Finland guy uh, tattooed on her arm, you say, oh well, she's making a statement about uh, gender and sexuality and, sure. and and power and things like that. But the the Nike swoosh is uh, that's uh, beyond irony for me. Well, I don't understand and so, that. So what it what it, that was the moment when I realized that eventually the shoe and because already the people that you know the little brown hands in China that are making Nike shoes are the same ones that are making Adidas shoes. It's not like there's any. It's not like really the the product itself has any differentiation at all. It's just the swoop versus the stripes. And eventually they will figure out a way to just sell you the swoop and and dispense with this 
business, this stupid business of manufacturing shoes, garbage balloon shoes that, that, that blow away in a year. They'll find a way to just sell you the brand. Now the NASCAR thing makes sense. So what you're saying is you get whatever kind of piece of crap clothing you want or high-quality clothing, doesn't matter, and you right. get your, the, your preferred brand affiliation put on there. That's Would right. Would there be a licensing fee for that? Absolutely. Mm. So it's going to cost you $100. The suit's going to be 30 bucks one way or another. The suit, and everybody's got the, you know, the suits, you can get them tailor-made, you can get them at the, at the drugstore, doesn't matter. The suit is immaterial. And that's exactly the point. Exactly the point. What matters is that you paid $100 or $1,000 or $100,000 to have Bugatti on your suit or... You know, whatever the br- it's the brand that you paid for. It's the licensing of the brand. Because people the- know it, and it's a form of consp- it's a it's a Veblen good, right? Conspicuous good. C- consumption. Because we know that we know you had to have paid that licensing fee. That's right. That's exactly right. And so we don't have. So so we we no longer have to bother with this stupid manufacturing of stuff and shipping it back and forth across the oceans on these giant ships. We can just you know you can just go back to a situation where. Locally, there's some dumb mill that just is churning out unitards, one after another, and then you customize them with your own sort of like, so my unitard would have a Star of David and a BMW logo and, uh, you know, and then like a Filson thing across the middle. And then I would have, you know, then like my favorite porn actress and who I voted for in the last election you know, and in this sort of NASCAR patchwork. Um, and then you walk out in the world. Everybody knows where you stand. Everybody knows who you're rooting for in the, in the, the, the stick fight that's coming up. Right. Everybody knows who you lo- rooted for in the local stick fight, in the national stick fight, in the inter-global brand stick fighting. But imagine that, like, you get to 100 or 200 years from now, or however long, it could be 50 years, but imagine when the materials get to, to a point, like right now we're at the point where you can get, like, a like a foldable screen, or, you know, you can have these uh, curved screens. Imagine if we get to a point where there could be some kind of materials processing, where you'd be able to, like, basically rent those logos or lease those logos for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and you could change them in real time. You say, uh, you say, the Mariners just don't have the pitching today, change my logo. Right, or I'm going to a big party, and I'm going to, I'm going to... I'm going to fork out the money to be in Louis Vuitton. Oh. Like, head to toe, my unitard is going to switch to Louis Vuitton branding, but just for the next hour and a half while I'm at this cocktail party. And then at the stroke of midnight, it's going to turn back into a pumpkin. And and you're going to see, you're going to see basically that I'm just, that I just have like shell oil, uh, not even shell, like I'm an Arco, it's just an Arco suit. <laughs> It's uh yeah right. So exactly. you run your card and get re uh, unitarded. Yeah, so people are like, you know, like wow, that she's super fancy, and then oh yeah, she's just she's just renting some, she's just renting the branding for. It's, it's, a, it's kind of it's nice though. It's a nice combination. It's a it's the kind of industry you you couldn't have had a hundred years ago. It's it's you know you've got uh, the brand conscious young people. You take that and you combine it with inexpensive goods and the rent to own furniture model. Hmm. Hmm. I think now, it's very, very attractive. So how do we get in on the ground floor of this where we're actually profiting from this? We idea? might need to aqua hire Dickies. Mm, okay. Or someone like them. Somebody who's got like, there's a paint store we walk by in our neighborhood and they sell all the different like white Dickies things that you can get. I don't oh, think that stuff yeah. is super expensive. It's not at all because it's made out of, uh, it's made out of hemp basically. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing to, to produce. Also, this is good for the environment too. To produce a rough white garment 
A rough white unitard. It is not expensive. It doesn't have to be. You could you could do that right here. We could be making those in Washington State right now. And the only reason we're not is that we got you know we got convinced that oh no we don't want you know we don't want a locally made. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Yeah. No, no, no. I need to get this. You know, this needs to say this needs to say Ralph Lauren on it, and so. Therefore, it needs to be shipped across the ocean. what that's doing to those poor companies, John. It's ridiculous that Ralph Lauren and Nike and Adidas and the National Socialists, it's amazing how much money they have to spend overseas to get their logos put on something when people could give a fuck. They exactly. just want the logo. They just it's want the logo. Just, it's just schlepping, schlepping, schlepping. I mean, and the thing is, they those brands deserve our respect. Yeah, we you should know? we should not. I mean, the last thing we need from Nike gym shoes, Nike sneakers, the last thing we need is the actual shoe. Yeah. They're they're good at the branding. They're obviously not great at the shoes. They've done an amazing job building that brand. Why are we forcing them to continue to make things? And as, and as, as long them as they're hundred percent, as long and as long as they're being compensated through the appropriate legal channels and licensing agreements, I think it's good for everybody. Well, and this is where drones come in. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. 